And welcome back to 90.7 WCLH, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Hazleton. You are listening to Telling the Untold Stories of Wilkes podcast number nine. We are on our third and final edition of the Women's History Month series, and we are talking about the women's and gender studies minor, this time from a professor perspective. In the studio with me today, I have Associate Professor of Communication Studies and Women and Gender Studies, Dr. Mia Bersenio, and Associate Professor of Psychology and Women's and Gender Studies Director, Dr. Jennifer Thomas. I am so excited to have these two women in the studio with me today, and if you wouldn't mind giving me a little bit of background on your education and how you got to your role here at Wilkes. I would not mind talking about myself for a few <laughs> moments. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so yeah, so I came to, this is um, Mia Brasenio. I came to Wilkes in 2013. So this is my ninth year at Wilkes University. And um, I clearly am uh, primarily in the communication studies department and I teach the rhetorical studies concentration, um, all those fun classes. But um, my background is definitely, you know, communication studies, rhetorical theory and criticism, but I've always had a, a really uh, strong interest in women's and gender studies, feminist rhetorical theory and criticism, and social movements. And so um, when I got here, I can't remember what happened, but I somehow weaseled my way into women's and gender <laughs> studies as well. So, um, so I've been doing that all the while I've been here. Prior to coming to Wilkes, uh, I'm a daughter of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So I'm from the Pittsburgh area. I went to Pitt as an undergrad, did communication there, went out to California, which is, I always say, a great excuse if you want to move and live somewhere cool for a little while, go to mm -hmm. grad school somewhere cool. Don't go to like a cornfield in Iowa. No offense. <laughs> no offense to cornfields in Iowa, but it's a no little... No offense to those who went to Purdue. Yeah, exactly. In there you go. There you go. Well, I went to Penn State for a PhD, so I get it. So, but that was like a nice opportunity to not only explore communication from a little bit different perspective. You wouldn't realize it necessarily, but not only are all like our, you know, departments across higher education a little differently focused, but you do get a, a sort of a different perspective on whatever the discipline is in terms of like coast or region of mm -hmm. the country sort of thing. So anyway, did my master's at Cal State Northridge and then I just came on back to Pennsylvania and I did my PhD at Penn State. And um, I would say in my master's and PhD program is when I really got focused on women's and gender studies and, and feminist theory and criticism. So nice. Yeah. How about you, Dr. Thomas? Hi. So <clears throat> I am a native of Massachusetts. Oh, wow. I grew up on Cape Cod. Uh, I went to Bucknell as an undergraduate. And instead of going right on to graduate school, I wanted to experience life. So I worked, I thought maybe I want to work. I'm, I was not a psychology major or I was psycho, I was sort of neuroscience before it was neuroscience, um, called that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is relatively new. Right. I was yeah. science and psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I thought maybe I want to work with adults who are learning how to manage with the mental illness. So I did so I moved to Washington, D.C., worked for a really interesting consulting company where we were uh, looking at whether or not various agencies uh, who received grant money from the government. So, for example, they were trying to provide housing to, to people who did not have housing or they were trying to provide medical services to women and children who were affected or infected with HIV and AIDS. We were trying to figure out was were the was this money being, was it effective? Mm -hmm. Were they reaching these populations? 
Um, and I decided, you know, I love research. I love answering questions, but I want to answer my own questions. And mm -hmm. I am, am curious about psychology. So I traveled to the Midwest and had a great time <laughs> in the cornfields in the studio. <laughs> it's where, you know, it's where all where does everybody go to get their PhDs? The middle of the country. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So I had a great time at Purdue University. I have a PhD in developmental psychology, and I was really interested in social relationships, children and adolescents' friendships, and how those uh, influence their academic adjustment, their psychological adjustment, their social. Uh, development, that sort of thing. Um, I am interested in in gender and how gender shapes our social relationships and how gender influences our, our mental health. This was my very first job out of graduate school. I came here in 2006. Um, and I found my way to women's studies. I mean, I've always just been very, like I was saying, interested in gender, interested in feminism. So the director of women's studies at the time, Teresa Kintz, was on my floor in Bryseth, and we would chat. And so mm. she sort of roped me into it. And the rest is history. How cool. That's so yeah. neat. I didn't know your origin story. Yeah. <laughs> your origin story. Mm -hmm. See, and what I love, too, what you both are saying is what's fascinating is you both are involved and interested in women's and gender studies, mm -hmm. yet in two different disciplines yeah i mean communication psychology both great humanities tracks but i will say like it's different perspectives no matter what department you're in mm -hmm. and i knew dr brisenia was coming to wilkes before she got here i didn't know really? that this is strange doctor. i didn't wait a minute I this didn't is know news this. <laughs> uh, so jane elms cranhall oh, told yeah. me all about you so oh. i definitely uh, yeah, so you sought her out. I was, and so I didn't my just mission weasel to... my way in. <laughs> no. Okay, the door was open. The door was open. <laughs> Little does she know. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that's the thing, Lindsay, is that pretty much everywhere, there are some places that have standalone women's and gender studies departments, but actually, I should probably look into the numbers on that at this point, but um, they are often interdisciplinary in some way. So right. either the faculty members sort of have homes or are housed in other departments or major or minor programs, and they also teach women's and gender studies classes from their disciplinary perspective. Um, although it is not, it's not um, out of the question. Like there are, you know, straight up women's and gender studies faculty um, and departments that have sort of a home, uh, a quote unquote proper home. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it depends sort of on the on the program and on the institution. Mm -hmm. and, and I had heard of the, the Women's and Gender Studies minor here at Wilkes University because I had a friend who had gone here. Um, he graduated years before I got to college, and he had always encouraged me to take up the minor, which I thought was really cool. So you don't realize how much people's experiences, yeah. like they, they tell other people that. When I was looking at Wilkes, he was like, mm -hmm. I know you didn't even decide on Wilkes yet, but if you go there, you have to do this minor. So I thought that was really cool, and it kind of segues in me into my first question for a little bit of background on the program here at Wilkes. So it sounds like the programs existed since you both got here to the university. Do you know sort of the history of it? Do you know if, like, how does it, have you seen it change in function since you first got here? I, I do know the history of, of the Women's Studies program. So when I first became in charge of the program, which I think was in 2011, mm -hmm. I wanted to know more about it. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so I did a little digging, and I found out that it was proposed and added to the curriculum in 1990. Oh, wow. You're 
And I would was, never have guessed that. Right. And it was called Women's was called Women's Studies. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. conference was held in March 1993. Wow. Now, the reason that the Women's Studies minor came about was because in the late 80s, um, women in the nursing department were not being granted tenure. Tenure is very important to faculty mm-hmm. when we first begin, we are on year-to-year contracts, which means that we could be fired essentially at any point. And having tenure is nice because unless the institution has just cause, we're secure in our jobs and that allows us academic freedom. It allows Mm -hmm. us to study things and teach things. In the late 80s, women in the nursing department were not being granted tenure. And they wondered if there was some discrimination occurring. So they reached out to women in other departments and they found that what was happening was not specific to them. Um, So as a result of this, this Women's Faculty Caucus was formed. And again, the impetus of it was to investigate whether there was gender discrimination and tenure and promotion, as well as the the salary of women compared to men. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Wagia Taylor is a full faculty member, full professor in the the business department. Um, She, I think, is the longest standing faculty member at Wilkes, which Mm -hmm. is pretty exciting. So she- She always carries the, is it the mace? Yes. At commencement. It's a very- I think they're going to name cool position in honor of all of her years of service. They're wow. going to honor her by oh, dedicating a room or a building or something to her. Oh, as well, well, they should. That's amazing. So she took it upon herself. They they realized there was only one full faculty member at Wilkes at this time that was a woman, and so mm-hmm. she was also curious about salaries. Right. The university would not provide her with this information, so she took it upon herself to share her salary. Others started sharing their salaries, and then this information was released. And unfortunately, what was revealed was that women were being paid less than men, Mm -hmm. even when they held the same position within the same department. So this caucus formed to mentor women, faculty members, to help them gain tenure and promotion, to help them get paid. Then in the in the 1990s, they decided, well, we could we, let's have this minor. In 1993, they had the first uh, conference. Dr. Elms Cranhall was the keynote speaker, um, and it has just evolved from there. So it started off as a way of of women mentoring each other, helping them get tenure and promotion, and, and then it has evolved into bringing wow. these opportunities to learn more about feminism. Right. Human rights, social justice to the students. What I a cool no history. Idea. No, I don't know that history. And wow. it what's so kind of cool about it is that it really mirrors or reflects the sort of um, practice or activism and theory, um, those kind of categories of doing feminism or whatever, mm-hmm. right? That it, it sort of comes out of practice and, ex- pers- and um, material experience of the world. And then it beca- it has its trajectory has been to sort of then become women's and gender studies departments. Mm-hmm. And um, not that that activism and practice stops, uh, but that they have a, a cool, like, symbiotic relationship with one another. So right. that's, that's really an interesting history. I didn't know that. And then in 2011, <clears throat> when I took over, uh, we officially changed the minor from being the women's studies minor to the women's and gender studies minor. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was, and the committee felt that it was a more accurate reflection 
of the objectives of the minor, which is a critical analysis of the roles held by women, men, folks who do not identify within that just binary categories. Mm -hmm. Um, So it more accurately reflects what our courses are trying to help students critically examine um, systems of privilege, all of that. Right. And I know it's very fitting that you say that, too, because I know one of the pieces of content we use for my capstone class with Dr. Versenio is Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks, which I think that's just a beautiful, like, I didn't realize, like, that culmination. Rest in power, Bell Hooks. Mm -hmm. I know. That is my one of my favorite um, feminist works because Mm -hmm. it is so accessible. It has my favorite definition of feminism Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. It's, It's honestly, too, it's such a easy read like I feel like I'm I'm talking to her when we read it but um I think what's interesting too that you said that I noted was I feel like with the salary discussion we're not used to that that's not like a very comfortable conversation whatsoever and I think that would have never been found out if women weren't like hey I think there's a discrepancy here like let's compare and that probably wasn't a very easy thing to do Mm -hmm. I'm sure but how necessary hello Mm -hmm. right yeah and how necessary was that? Because you don't realize your experience, you know, is a negative one that's, you know, not unique in a sense, which stinks. But look at the good that came out of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy to learn that background. So um, moving on to sort of the the organization of the minor. Um, for those who may not know, how easy is it to attain the minor? What classes are involved? I'll take that one. Sure. Um, <laughs> So it turns out that it pretty much fits into anyone's, almost anyone's um, uh, academic planning uh, because the way that the women's gender studies minor works is that you have to take um, 18 credits total, 15 of those credits are classes that are women's and gender studies eligible. Mm -hmm. And classes in um, a wide variety of majors, programs, disciplines are cross-listed with women's and gender studies. So, you know, to use a a familiar example, if you take, you know, COM 305 uh, in our department, that is uh, a focus on the rhetoric of women's activism and feminist movement in the United States in particular. And so it's a communication based class, but we focus on um, issues of gender and Mm -hmm. and feminism. And so it's cross-listed with WGS. So you take a class that counts for your comm, major or minor, and it also counts for women's and gender studies. And then the one class that all minors take is um, uh, WS301, which is Introduction to Women's and Gender Studies, if I have that correct. And um, it's a capstone course in that. That's where we all kind of get together, bring that foundational knowledge that we have um, uh, begun to accrue in those other classes and come together and focus on um, women's and gender studies uh, as the as the topic as the subject mm-hmm. um, and then everybody does a capstone project it might be a paper in my class it's a presentation um, and uh, it's sort of a culminating experience for the minor Mm-hmm. And I have not finished the course at the moment. I'm currently in the middle of the course. Very close. <laughs> but yeah, but I will say too, one thing that I love about it is because I had taken so many women's and gender studies electives that I sort of understood, like I had a good foundation in understanding, you know, women's movements, different things like that. But 
the capstone class really we cover a lot of bases Mm -hmm. it's like every week it's like a new topic we're discussing and Mm -hmm. i think it's it's nice because it's accessible to so many students Mm -hmm. in a sense if you are in disciplines that offer a lot of wgs electives you kind of only really need the capstone class and then you essentially are Mm -hmm. finished with a minor if it works out for your degree Mm -hmm. so i believe it to be very accessible and i found that most students i know who have the minor have found it to be the same way Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the only required course is the capstone course. Mm-hmm. It would be great if students took courses broadly. So they mm-hmm. took a psychology course. So for example, my developmental psychology course where we talk about gender development and gender identity and how do children come to identify themselves as a girl, boy, or something else. And what does that mean for who they are and why they like the things they like, mm-hmm. why they have the career they have in that sort of thing or if they were to take a philosophy course then and get that perspective or they took a history course mm-hmm. and a communications course so in a perfect world I would love it to yeah. be truly interdisciplinary yeah, where right. we told students you know you have to take a history course and a psychology course but mm-hmm. to make it more accessible um, to fit to help it fit into students schedules um they do, they do not need to take courses in a bunch of different areas. They could, for example, take all communications courses. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the last three credits could be the women's and gender studies class. Right. And I will say, I know a lot of students who, that is about their individual choice. You know, how much room you may have in your degree if you want. I know I'm coming up on my senior year. I have more room for electives. I, I could just take a psychology course, a philosophy course. And I know for me, I had my English 120 was a women's and gender studies course. And we focused a lot on women's literature and it was really nice. Like it's nice to get to branch out from the things you're so comfortable with because, you know, I am in the communication studies department and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it is nice to mix it up. We made her say that. (laughs) (laughs) But it really is nice to mix it up too because you're never going to have a semester that's, you know, fully, this might be different for you both because you do teach all in your department, but Mm -hmm. it is nice to get to mix it up too. And then that must be nice in a sense for you both too, if say you have certain courses that do have that WGS like extension, then you get to do that too. And it doesn't feel like, super repetitive because mm-hmm. I imagine you teach some of the same courses frequently. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, we do a combination of things. So, and um, Dr. Thomas can obviously speak from her own experience and I'll speak from mine, but it is often the case that you're doing classes that are core for, you know, or required for the major, um, as well as classes that relate to your expertise in the field. Um, and then, you know, sometimes folks don't always get the opportunity to teach things um, because you're trying to meet these other requirements that do have a women's and gender studies focus. So um, I am very much fulfilled uh, by having the opportunity to do that. And it does work out, of course, for me that a lot of my also upper level um, comm classes in the rhetorical studies concentration, they have sort of a natural inclination toward from, you know, the things that the material that and topics that I'm bringing to the classes toward women's and gender studies. So there's usually a, um, a nice overlap there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think if you're interested in women's and gender studies issues in your discipline, you will find a way mm-hmm. to use examples. You will find a way to 
incorporate your passions Mm -hmm. and share those with the students. Right. And that must be nice too, because even if you are teaching a class that you taught this semester or year prior, you have totally new students with new perspectives who probably, you know, offer up things in class that you may not have thought of before Mm -hmm. that no other student has brought to the table. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I think about that a lot where, you know, that's one really nice thing about higher education in general too, is there's so much especially when you get to higher levels where it's more seminar style and you get to have a lot more of input of the conversations that go on in class. I know personally, I find those classes most fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine, you know, being the instructor and and hearing your students really take what you've given them and find these new different thoughts and theories. And it just must be really rewarding. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I'm like, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, that I'm sure, you know, you have your very tough days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. not all sunshine and lollipops right. and feminism but right. you know but yeah this I think that again and my thing is very much I very much am and maybe that maybe I'm I was born a little bit late for second wave but a lot of me is second wave at heart and you know the personal is political is um, a really important guiding principle for me and to mm-hmm. see um, students make those connections between the things that we're covering in class and their material experience of the world. And then we are engaged in a kind of, you know, consciousness raising, um, that, that, that is like the coolest stuff that happens. Yeah. In those class. are the best moments. Yeah. Exactly. When you see that moment where they're like, wow, I never thought of it mm-hmm. that way. And right. even better, you know, and now they feel like a sense of wanting to make change mm-hmm. or they feel more, even though the things they may be learning are cha- might be hard to hear, right? Okay, <laughs> learning about oppression and, di- and discrimination mm-hmm. is tough. But it's a real see, bummer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, it's days. not all what were you saying before, like it's not all unicorns and rainbows, yeah. but to see them make connections, to see them have these aha moments and, and then instead of saying, oh, that sucks, mm-hmm. Let me hide in my shell. They're like, but I feel agency. I feel like I can go mm-hmm. make a change. Mm-hmm. Like I never saw it that way before, but now I can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And I have a responsibility yeah. to, to, to make change. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. those are really great moments. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I've, I've even noticed, you know, being a student, I'm only 20 years old. And, you know, even just, <laughs> sorry, that felt very... Uh, just <laughs> a little baby. <laughs> but even... Yeah, we, you don't have to, like, remind I know, us. that felt like a... <laughs> I'm emphasizing how young I am, but even <laughs> but even in that case, I remember like in high school, I remember thinking, you know, like I need to be a political leader to enact change. And yeah. I think just being in the classroom has made me realize yeah. that you may be one person. It sounds so cheesy, but you, you cheese may, it up. You may be one person, but you have the power to impact and, mm-hmm. you know, change how people see the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really, really powerful because mm-hmm. You know, maybe you aren't going to be the one who steps out there and enacts some great change. You might have influenced the person who does. And, you know, and I think just by being good people who, you know, spread that inclusivity to the things we believe, I think that does have a really big change on Mm -hmm. the world. And that speaks a lot to my next question. We're flowing beautifully here. Your segues are amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I try. I try. But have you noticed since you've been in the department, because you see year by year how things change, have you noticed any achievements made in the campus community to being more inclusive? Do you think that there's still a lot of work we have to do on campus to be more inclusive? Or do you think we're making some pretty good change right now? 
well, you know, change is slow. Um, right. and, uh, and so that's important to keep in mind, you know, reflecting on Dr. Thomas's sharing of the, hi- the history and the origins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point, uh, 1990 is kind of a long time ago. Uh, and, and, you know, there are some things that uh, one might hope would be a little more drastically different, you know, in the in the 30 some years since the establishment of the program. But I mean, I will say and I, I've been here since 2013. So I will say and and I will I also want to sort of uplift and and name um, women's and gender studies faculty who are also really key, along with students, of course, in um, making uh, challenges to um, the existing structure and increasing diversity on our campus. Um, and so things like, and I, I don't, I, I hope I'm getting this right, but I know Dr. Davis has been really, in English, mm-hmm. has been really instrumental in um, sort of championing things like uh, uh, being able to identify as um one's pr- name and pronouns, right, in certain spaces, mm-hmm. doing things like increasing our understanding and our spaces around all gender restrooms. Um, and I do think there's a general feeling on campus uh, of inclusivity. Now, obviously, like we all have a lot of work to do and not everyone does, you know, things like the women's and gender studies minor. So, you know, maybe there's there's sort of a, a segment of the population that is a little more inclined to self-select into those classes. But that's also this sort of the story of um, quote unquote area studies. Um, and so it's uh, women's and gender studies is sort of still seen as this specialized thing as opposed to something that applies across all areas of inquiry in terms of, you know, knowledge production and research and, um, and raising our awareness of the world around us and moral philosophy and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in that way, um, I do think, you know, it still is a little bit, um, siloed or tokenized, um, as opposed to embrace sort of across, um, whether it's, you know, disciplines or, uh, just the collective maybe attitude or mood of the campus. Mm-hmm. But I do think um, it, we have made great strides and we are working on it and continue to work on it. Um, and also, you know, it's tough in a university environment because students leave, you know. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it feels like faculty might have to take on a little more of that because they might mm-hmm. stay, might be here longer. Um, and so that's a difficult dance too. And also that's, again, reflective of sort of movements in general. So Right, absolutely. Dr. Brisano stole all the things <laughs> that I was going to I'm say. Sorry, I, just, I, I did I, it I on purpose. Laugh, so. I must have the spotlight. <laughs> so I would say um, that I have been... <laughs> Change is slow, and we've been talking about that before, and there are things that I've been very pleased with, and there are things that I would, that I have not been as pleased with. Mm -hmm. So yes, I love that we have all gender bathrooms. Mm -hmm. I love that we are allowing students to have their preferred name as their the name that we call them, that mm-hmm. they use on their email, that sort right. of... And that's for everybody, right? That has mm-hmm. become... Uh, what I love about that is it's become normalized. Right. That it's everybody, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. love that. and But I also agree that I resent that studying oppression and social mm-hmm. justice and human rights is seen as this specialized 
thing. I wish that everyone had to take mm -hmm. courses that had a diversity component yeah, to right. them. I, I think women's studies lends itself more easily to students who are in the social sciences. It and it, I would like to see this more in the harder sciences, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, the fact that the caucus came about in the late 80s you know, to promote women getting to greater positions of power. I mean, I still, if we look at the leadership on campus mm -hmm. and we see who holds the most powerful positions on campus, mm -hmm. who are the full professors, who are the deans, who is the provost, the president, mm -hmm. you are going to see that it's primarily one type of voice that's mm -hmm. being of all the, the aspects of identity we mm -hmm. could have, our gender, our race, our religion, mm -hmm. our sexual orientation, it's mm -hmm. still, I would like, so I do see change amongst the students right. and, the, and the ground up, but I would also like to see change at, I would like to see more change at the top. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is mm -hmm. too slow. Yeah, it's reflective mm -hmm. of broader structures and systems too. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we're kind of a microcosm exactly. of, of that right. um, gender disparity that we see happening across institutions and systems. Right, and you both brought up phenomenal points that we've even discussed in class. And I think what is hard too and, and what gets frustrating is that sense of, I know from a student perspective, it is a lot of people who choose the minor who are already fairly conscious of these things mm -hmm. um, and who have an interest and who want to you know, have a greater depth of the knowledge. What's hard is, you know, I think what's interesting is, correct me if I'm wrong, um, liberal arts universities are referred to as liberal arts because we take core classes across all curriculums. Mm -hmm. So I think in that sense, too, it would be nice to have more, say, if you have to take this course in English or in the sciences, that there is a different component to it because there's topics in, in any department to be discussed. I remember... Sure. In my biology class, oh, this is going back a few years, so I don't know if I'm going to remember correctly, but... Um, Way back in your 20 years. Yeah, but there was... Um, Way back when she was 18. <laughs> I'm, As a teen. I deserved did that. You, I was going to say, did you think I wasn't going to... I was going to say, that yeah. was really fair. Take that, that was really fair. That, <laughs> I, did, I did deserve that. But I remember, I forget who it was. I think, is it, is it Rosalind Frank or somebody in biology I learned this woman made a discovery and was never credited to it. It was credited to two men. And my biology <laughs> professor brought familiar. it up. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, is anyone going to take issue with this? Like, this is upsetting. And like, it was a question on the test and everything, but um. it would be nice to see more awareness brought into all of these classes and, you know, seeing that on campus. Because I think... You know, when you are in your own space, like I like to take these kind of classes. I like to attend events yeah. for, you know, different, you know, clubs and organizations who bring inclusivity to campus. But that's also, again, comes back to personal choice. Mm -hmm. it, and it also, you have, as a faculty member, you have to be aware of, mm -hmm. you have to have the consciousness. You have to be aware mm -hmm. of the systems that are in place that hold certain groups of people back or allow other people to have privilege. And you also have to have the courage to bring that up. Yeah, right. You have to have the courage to think about what are mm -hmm. your own biases and how are you making change. Mm -hmm. And you also have to be aware that not everybody is going to be receptive to what mm -hmm. you are saying and you're going to need to pe pe meet people where they are at. And that is hard. And right. so I think there are people who do not want 
to do to take those risks, mm-hmm. to take those challenges, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. right. in their classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what's hard, too, is I'm thinking now, again, what you said about tenured professors, and it must be hard, too, when you don't have that security to want to bring topics up. It can be very scary because you might risk losing your job, mm-hmm. God forbid. So I think, you know, these are some very important topics raised, and I think you're right. We're It's going to be a continued fight. Change is slow. Mm-hmm. But... I think I have faith that there are also a lot of incredibly educated faculty and staff and students who continue to come to campus that enact that change. And I hope it is the same case across other campuses. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to see that change. I know, I don't know if you two have heard of this. I believe the group calls themselves the Black Menaces. They're on this college <laughs> campus that I think is, they they um, have the term predominantly white universities, which I believe Wilts yes. is as well. And they interview, mm-hmm, they interview students on campus and ask them questions. I know the most recent video I saw, they asked students, um, they showed them a picture of Rosa Parks or Malcolm X, and a lot of them didn't know Either. who they were just by a photo. Yeah. And also they would go up to students and ask, you know, do you consider yourselves a feminist? And it is frustrating because I'm taking courses where, you know, we're talking about people don't necessarily understand. There's a lot of stigma surrounding it, and it's so interesting because their campus dislikes them greatly (laughs) like the i'm pretty sure the people who are in charge of you know the image of their university probably are not very happy with what they're doing i gotta get into this yeah Yeah. anything with the word menace in it (laughs) sign me up self-proclaimed menaces but it is they're taking a risk at their university because i mean i would like to believe that if you know the university were to punish them in any form they probably would publicize it people would get upset and Mm -hmm. i think you know maybe that's something Something nice that we have nowadays is the media to use and Mm -hmm. you know I think personally they're utilizing social media for a really positive change to you know they do ask students beforehand are you comfortable with this video Mm -hmm. being posted Mm -hmm. so in that sense people are are consciously answering these questions to be posted and understanding that so I think I have faith that you know the younger generations coming into universities and, and being able to you know I'd say kickstart, but there's just so many different forms in which people have already addressed these issues that I think it's just a unique way that these students decided to do it. Yeah, it's an evolution. I love Mm -hmm. it. But Mm -hmm. I would also say that the university population, if we go back to Bell Hooks, who wants to bring feminism to everyone and not keep it in these institutions of higher learning, I just think it needs... Institutions of higher learning are special places for people who have a certain amount of privilege. Absolutely. And so I would also like to just see this knowledge accessible to everyone because not everyone's going to come to an institution Mm -hmm. of higher knowledge. Mm -hmm. But so, yes, I do like Mm -hmm. that there are people trying to raise consciousness um, in various ways uh, across campus. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to see more of it in communities that may not have access Mm -hmm. to these sorts of privileges yeah and that's a phenomenal point to mention too and I've thought of that before too where I didn't have a lot of this knowledge before coming to college and that is a a very big privilege you know access to information and being able to study these things it's Mm -hmm. but it's it's again I think I think about how I said you know being able to to talk to people and to to spread that knowledge maybe even not in classroom settings to to the people you know just every day your neighbors so I think that's really important. I know in a lot of our classes, me and my friends will mention, like, we bring this up to our parents who might not necessarily, like, have the same views or perspectives or ever, ever had any sort of education course. Mm -hmm. 
where diversity or inclusion was involved in that. So I do think, you know, some of these things, it's like, okay, it's daunting. It's, it's a lot to take on, yeah. but it's good to remember, you know, we can do the best we can, but that doesn't mean that, you know, all of the responsibility is held on one person. Mm-hmm. We all understand, you know, we do the best we can and mm-hmm. that's, that's what we can do for enacting change. So I think that was some really great input. I really enjoyed discussing that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some topics we discussed in women's and gender studies. I know we've already covered our bases a little bit with mm-hmm. certain ones, but do you think that, um, have you shifted your curriculum at all in terms of how the media has impacted our understandings of particular topics in women's and gender studies? I know it can probably you know, be tough when you're so passionate about certain topics to teach it from you know, a certain standpoint of you want to have this objectivity of this is what we're seeking to accomplish Mm -hmm. do you think you've ever had moments where in the classroom you know you've been teaching a topic and you've found that it's a lot to take on or it's gotten to a point where this is super important but the classroom might not always be the place to do it Mm -hmm. that was a very long-winded question take it wherever you want no no it makes it makes good sense because because almost inherently we we've said this implicitly like that it's risky to teach Mm -hmm. women's and gender studies right that it's risky to talk to the people that you love about feminism right Mm -hmm. these are why are they risks okay let's put that oops let's put that aside (laughs) for the moment um but you know i think that speaks to what is was underneath your question there which is okay now we're going to try to do this in um in this privileged space, right, of, of higher learning, um, but also try to navigate it in a way where people feel comfortable or okay with making mistakes, you know, um, or there's oftentimes we talk about things that people have clear, direct personal experience with. You know, I, I hate to use the word, you know, like trigger, triggering. I, mm-hmm. I know how that has been, has gotten sort of a bad reputation in the media as well. But, you know, it is important that we try our best to sort of set up a space where, yes, we're still doing all those things. We're taking risks. We may feel comfortable, you know, sharing our personal experience, relating that to sort of the theoretical frameworks that we're talking about. Um by the same token, all of that is, is difficult to do. And it, mm-hmm. it is a lot of work, intellectual, emotional, and psychological, um, to attempt to create a classroom space, co-create a classroom space there. But you still are the faculty member, right? You still are the person who's looked to um, as the sort of seat of power in the, in the classroom. So yeah, it's a lot to take on sometimes. And there are many days when I feel like, oh, I royally messed that up, right? Mm -hmm. Or we didn't really get at that issue like I was hoping we would get at that issue. But in the, when I can step back, and it often takes time, but when I can step back from those particular experiences, um, I usually can process it to the point where I say, well, at least we talked about gender violence, you know, Mm -hmm. at least we raised issues that probably aren't going to come up in any other experience in this university space or maybe aren't talked about in a certain way at this point in people's lives or in their relationships, et cetera. So it's high risk, but sometimes also there's maybe not high reward, but there is, there's a reward for everyone in, in it. Absolutely. 
I don't necessarily think I shy away from topics because they're hard, but Mm -hmm. I do look at my course holistically and what, you know, if I'm teaching a lower level psychology course, that's women's and gender studies. I know that many of my students, I want to meet my students where they're at. They're, they're not necessarily taking this because it's a women's and gender studies course. And they probably do not probably have lots of miss um, information about Mm -hmm. feminism and gender. So I'm going to start out very slowly, but I'm going to have a lot of assignments that build into thinking about, you know, why people develop the way they are and have beliefs that they, where we interrogate ourselves in, in, in sort of gentle and like you said, safe ways. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a women's study, when in a class like Women's Studies 301, I know we're going to have to talk about abortion and we're, because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about bodily rights and what it means mm-hmm. to have autonomy over your body and we are going to have to talk about gender violence but I know that we're going to every you know I'm going to start off by saying we're going to get do you see what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I'm not going to shy away from it I'm going to prepare them and sort of try to figure out what they know before we get to that point but we're going to build to it so mm-hmm. I think it depends on what class am I teaching? Yeah. What are the objectives of this class? Who are the people in my class? How do I meet them where they are? Because I don't want to turn anyone off. Right. Um, I really just want to spark curiosity. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to have the same beliefs that I have at all. Mm-hmm. I just need to spark your curiosity yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe to have you think and if that can build into a conversation with your parents or if you then take another class that makes you think and you're just having all of these little aha moments, who knows what that's going to mean five years from now. So yes. yeah. I'm not sure if all of this is those, coherent. No, those those but... answers were even better than what I could have expected because I think those are phenomenal approaches. And I think, too, as a student who has that experience in the classroom, you know, I think what's interesting is there is a lot of stereotypes surrounding students who who choose to take these sort of classes that, oh, you're more sensitive, like you don't want to say, like we always talk about the term politically correct that people throw around. And I think what's interesting about that, though, is we broach the hard conversations in these classes. And yet at the same time, there's that healthy balance of we just discussed gender based violence last week. And the student who was helping co-facilitate the class said, look, I understand this is a really hard topic. If you need to leave the room, if you are uncomfortable, please know nobody here is judging you. And it's it's such an inclusive environment that I feel has been built in my women's and gender studies courses that you feel comfortable talking about these things. And, you know, we do learn like uh, the background, the basics of it. And just like you said, spark that curiosity about it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's answer is right or wrong. It's not about, you know, whose opinion is more valid than another's. It's we're talking about things that are really important and very relevant and how we do that might change. It might not necessarily always follow a specific structure, but what's important is these conversations are being had. Mm -hmm. So I think you both answered that beautifully. And what's nice too, is I feel as though there's some very commonalities I'm sure with how you both teach your WGS classes, yet there's also some different approaches, no matter which class you take that you're going to have something new to learn from it. So I think that's amazing. So All of this conversation is just phenomenal. So to wrap us up a little bit, if you're interested in all of these topics we're discussing and maybe you're not involved with the Women's and Gender Studies minor, or maybe you are, the Women's and Gender Studies Conference is coming up April 4th and 5th. The theme this year is gender, race, and religion. Um, 
so excited for this. I know there's a really great keynote speaker coming in. If both of you want to discuss maybe um, what the schedule looks like, where the conference is being held, and sort of, um, it's very exciting because I think this is the first year we have it back since COVID. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we ha it was all scheduled, <laughs> and then maybe the week before, some they told us that we just def we definitely weren't coming back to school. We weren't right. coming back to campus and all events had to be yeah. canceled, which mm -hmm. was pretty heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so it's very exciting to have the conference back at Wilkes on April 4th. We have our keynote address um, by Dr. Elise Morgenstein first, and she's going to be speaking about how whether you're a you consider yourself to be a religious person or not, religion infiltrates all of our lives. Mm -hmm. So you might be done with religion, but religion is not done with you. Right. And religion, religious beliefs affect how we interact with each other on small in small and large ways. So they can direct how societies, you know, determine rights. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our beliefs about gender can then dictate what religion says about gender. So it's it's fascinating, really, to think about where, like, if we want to spark people's mm -hmm. curiosity, then, you know, why do we have these ideas? Where mm -hmm. did they come from? What keeps them the way that they are? Um, so I think this will be a really interesting talk. Um, Dr. Morgenstein first is an expert in Islam and Southeast Asian religions. She's very funny. She's very interesting. I think we'll all learn something, or at least I hope go away from that just saying, huh, and hopefully sparking our curiosity and having conversations with other people, thinking about religion maybe in a new way. Mm -hmm. That will be held through Zoom at 7 p.m. So if you go to wilkes.edu backslash WGS at the bottom of the page, you can register. The link will be sent to you. And then the next day on Tuesday, we have sessions beginning um, at 11 o'clock. So their sessions are an hour and 15 minutes each and then a 15-minute break. So there'll be panels where people will be discussing a whole host of things um, from... I'm trying to think about <laughs> so many things. I've heard uh, some really cool topics. There are yeah. some cool topics. And unfortunately, I was so passionate about the keynote address. <laughs> the other things slipped my mind. But we have people from math coming to speak oh, about wow. analyses they've done about, I think, the hashtag Me Too and allies and how that from like teaching Girl Scouts first aid over Zoom during the pandemic to thinking about what you know, women's rights, like a political science class is considering women's rights and challenges to women's rights globally to how historically, you know, advertisements have affected women's perceptions of femininity. So mm -hmm. a whole bunch of just yeah. really philosophy, English, history, communications. I mean, so many different disciplines will be represented there. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting. And I hope my hope is that people walk away just with maybe thinking about the world in a different way. Right. Um, my hope is that students have fun sharing their interests with others. Um, and so if you can come, mm -hmm. it'll be in on the second floor of the sub. You'll see there in front of the mail room, the Miller room and the Savitz lounge and the ballroom will have sessions. And then that Tuesday will culminate with a poetry reading at 7 p.m., 
nice. And now, can people come and just spectate for, for like, you don't have to register at all? You don't have to register for any just of those come. sessions. Just show up. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I know. I, I will be there. So oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome, though. That's exciting. So you don't even have to register. You can just come and mm-hmm. check out a panel or two, whatever you want to see, whatever mm-hmm. you have time for. Yeah, and I want to just give a particular shout out to, there's a few folks from our class that are going to be presenting. So um, we'll be there uh, representing WS301A. Are we A? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, not to... Not to make it a competition, because this is about collaboration. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but we'll be there in the afternoon. I'll be chairing a couple panels. So I plan to be there throughout the day. And I will talk your ear off about women's and gender studies. So come see us, please. And we did say this is in um, association with King's. So Yes. Yeah, right. so folks from King's College down the street will also be here, which is I love that it's a collaborative con- conference, mm-hmm. um, and we switch, you know, back and forth each year where the conference is held. So we happen to be fortunate enough to be the hosts this year. Yes, that's so exciting. Yeah. So I, I, I'm telling you, this is very exciting for me because I've yet to be to a women's and gender studies conference, especially mm-hmm. since, you know, we've had been in the pandemic yeah. for so long. And this is really exciting. I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see um, what students have to offer in the different the different panels. So. If you are interested at all, please come visit. Come see what you can. Um, I know it's going to be a great time. There's a lot of phenomenal people organizing this event, so two of which sitting here with me in the room today. Uh, so. Mostly Dr. Thomas. I cannot claim organizational uh, propriety over this. So that'll be so exciting to see all the work you've done just culminated into this it conference. Yeah. So it'll be a nice time. So. I cannot thank you both enough for coming on thank this you, podcast. Thank you, Lindsay, with for me. inviting us. Thank you for Absolutely. your interest yeah, and for really. you know supporting the minor, mm-hmm. for supporting the conference, mm-hmm. for sharing your love of, of women's studies with the Wilkes community. So thank as, you so much. Of course, as always, it is my pleasure. I'm so grateful you came and shared all of your wealth of knowledge with me and with the people listening to this mm-hmm. podcast. As always, if you are interested in the Women's and Gender Studies minor, I will have information in the description of this podcast episode. Also, please feel free to reach out if you are interested or want to take a course with Dr. Brasenia or Dr. Thomas. Feel free. You will learn so much from any course. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening. And as always, you are listening to 90.7 WCLH, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Hazleton. Don't forget to keep it locked.